I've listened to Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino for 12 months. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. We are the one. It's true. It's true. And this week, we're talking about Childish Gambino and his album, Awaken My Love. Also this week, the podcast is an octogenarian. What? This is episode 80. Whoa! It is. Yeah, I know. What a wild time. Did you ever think we'd make it this far? Absolutely, I did. Oh. Yes, this is but another of many milestones. But what I'm really excited about is the stretch of episodes we've kind of got coming up. We've planned ahead a little bit into the 80s, and I think it's going to be a really good run of podcast. But I'm biased. They're all really good runs of podcast. Yeah, I like almost every one of our episodes. <laughs> I can usually pick out beforehand when it's an episode you're not going to love. Well, just because I don't like the album doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy the episode. Well, that's true. Some of my favorite episodes are albums I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, you got a point. Well, let's hope, or I guess maybe not hope, if you want it to be a favorite episode. Let's just wait and see how you feel about this album in this episode. Will it be a favorite episode or a favorite album? Or both. Do you have any that are both? Yeah, of course. My, the queen herself. Oh, yeah, fair. I can't tell if you're referring to Dua Lipa or to Miley Cyrus. They're both queens. Yeah. The original queen, though. Okay, Dua Peep. Dua Peep. But also Miley. Love them both. Right. Well, this is a, this is another person that you were familiar with going into the podcast, I know for a fact. But it's a little different than usual. Is it? It is. I don't know if we've had anybody quite like Donald Glover yet in our lineup. Of whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. I thought we were doing Childish Gambino. Did I listen to the wrong one? Oh, no. See what I did there? See what I did there? <laughs> yeah. Wonder if the audience will be confused. <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, you listened to the right one. Childish Gambino is the stage name of Donald McKinley. Glover Jr. Whoa, not Senior. Junior. And not Danny Glover. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. But I know you know Donald Glover because we both kind of simultaneously watched his show Community, where he plays a community college student. Yeah, you started it, got three seasons ahead of me, and then I beat you. I was a little <laughs> mad about that. Yeah, you lapped me on finishing Community. And I don't know why. You slowed down and I sped up. You would watch seasons in a single day. I would watch them in a weekend, not in a single day. But they were fast, short episodes. It was easy to do. Yeah, it is. It's an easy show to binge. Great show. Donald Glover, great actor. And as we learned this week, well, I learned a while back, but you may be learning this week. He makes music. I didn't know that. <sighs> yeah, you know now. I knew that well before this. It wasn't a secret to me that they were the same person. I wasn't Superman Clark Kennedy here. I've heard some people say that, though, whether they're serious or not. Some tweets about anyone ever notice how similar these two look. <laughs> and how they're never in the same room. Has anyone ever seen yeah. them in the same room? Yeah, funny stuff. But so the the artist facts this week kind of sound a little different than usual. And mostly that's because his career is kind of like two-pronged. He works in things other than music. So there's a lot other than music to talk about. Let's get into it. Yes, let's. Well, he was born in Georgia in 1983. And he went to an art-focused high school. Not when he was born in 1983, but probably 14, 15 years after that. It'd be pretty cool if it was right when he was born in 1983, though. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? 
I know. But in his high school, he was voted most likely to write for The Simpsons of the members of his class on account of his humor and his general writing talent. And he went on to graduate with a degree in dramatic writing from NYU. And that's the first time he started to have any kind of inkling of a music career, too. When he was in college, he recorded an unreleased batch of songs on his own that he says he probably won't ever put out. And he also started DJing as MC DJ, which is hilarious. That's so funny. And, fun little teaser, he did a remix of an album that we'll be talking about pretty soon. In this batch of good episodes coming up in these 10 episodes, there's an album we're talking about that he's remixed. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. And I'm sure it'll come up maybe when we do the episode. If it doesn't... We messed up. Tweet at us and get mad at us. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, for all these personal projects and mixtapes that he was putting out, he used the stage name Childish Gambino, which is a name that he got from a cheesy little Wu-Tang Clan name generator program. You know, like where you go online and just put in, like, make a fake name based on Wu-Tang Clan? It was like that. Yeah, it's a good name. It is. After college, he did actually, like his high school classmates predicted, write a little spec script for The Simpsons. I learned a little bit about movies and TV. What a spec script is? (laughs) I learned what a spec script is as I was researching this. Still my thunder. (laughs) I'm the movie guy. (laughs) Okay. Well, tell everyone what a spec script is. Not because I don't know, because I learned, but just because... Because it's my... I'm the guy. If you're going to be territorial... I am. What about the last 79 episode made you think I wouldn't be? Not a thing. (laughs) A spec script is just like an unpaid, kind of not even commissioned sort of uh, thing that people do. Almost fanfic-like. Yeah. That you write to try... And like you send it into the producers. Be like, look what I did. Hire me. Yeah. It's a little (laughs) bit like taking your album and going door-to-door down Music Row until somebody listens to it yeah but in the movie world yeah or like you know how like when like a an artist has like sample work in a portfolio right that they can show as like proof that they're a decent artist yeah i wrote this thing and it looks like it was done by an actual writer for the simpsons yeah and uh unfortunately donald glover's script while directly targeted at the simpsons did not catch the producer's eye no but it did catch the eye of tina fey and david minor who invited him to write for the NBC sitcom 30 Rock, yep. which he actually got to do from 2006 to 2009 at just the age of 23. In that time period, he also auditioned for Saturday Night Live and put out a comedy film with a bunch of people from his college sketch comedy group, and that movie premiered at Sundance. Plus, as Childish Gambino, he released his first mixtape called Sick Boy independently in 2008 and his second called Poindexter the very next year. So, I mean, all this stuff is kind of coming together for him at once. And then, in late 2009, he took that role that we've already mentioned, Troy Barnes in Dan Harmon's sitcom Community, where he was a full-time cast member for five seasons. And one of the best cast members. Honestly, very memorable. I mean, him and Abed, I think, kind of made the show what it was. (laughs) For a lot of reasons, yes. Well, that said, though, the the show still did kind of work without him. His character was written off the show five seasons in. Not as well, though. Not as well, no. But while he's on Community, he's still hard at work making music. During that show, he put out three more mixtapes, I'm Just a Rapper 1 and 2, and then Cul-de-Sac. And all the while, you know, he was very prominently in the show. But after season five, they wrote him out. He wanted more creative freedom for his own projects, and he had some personal reasons for wanting to leave. Fans speculated that he left the show solely to pursue music, but that's not really why he did it, he said. And actually, even though he was written off the show, there is a community movie in the works. Hashtag, Hashtag six, six seasons. Season yes. 
God, look at us both go. Hashtag six seasons in a movie. Yeah, and I think I've heard rumors. I'm not sure if it's confirmed for sure, but I think he's wanting to make a return to the franchise for the movie. So that's exciting. Yeah. Is there a release date for the movie yet? Filming supposedly starts in June. <gasps> June is soon-ish in the grand scheme of times that it could happen. 2025 probably for release. Maybe 2024 late. Yeah, we'll see. Episode 160 will... <laughs> We'll update you. Yeah. So even though Donald Glover didn't leave the show to pursue music, his music career did kick up in earnest, though, in time and in between other acting gigs. His first proper EP was called EP, and it came out as a free-to-download release in 2011. And with all this acting, comedy, and music in his back pocket, he went out on a national tour, the I Am Donald Tour, all one word, all caps. <laughs> that was in 2011. It was a one-man little rap comedy and video show. And then he performed at Bonnaroo twice, once as Childish Gambino playing music, once as Donald Glover doing comedy. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. I mean, I guess I could see why people were confused and thought maybe this was two separate people. Have you seen any of his stand-up specials, like on Netflix? No, I haven't ever watched one. I probably should. They're, they're, they're decent. His debut LP called Camp was next on his to-do list. And for that album, he enlisted the help of Ludwig Göransson, who helped write and score the music for Community, to help him produce his debut record. It came out in 2011, debuted at number 11 on the Billboard 200, and in its first week, it sold 52,000 copies and put two top 100 singles onto the Billboard charts. Both the songs Bonfire and Heartbeat made it to the top. After another round of touring, he put out his next free mixtape, Royalty, which featured collaborations with his brother, Leona Lewis, and more. And once again in 2012, Glover got together with Gurrenson to work on his next album. And in the meantime, FX picked up Glover's own show, a music-based comedy show. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Atlanta. And Glover would write, star in, and sometimes direct it. Yep. And even though they picked up the script in 2012, the show didn't actually premiere until late 2016. Yep. But, I mean, add it to the list of projects he's currently working on in this era. His second album came out in 2013. It's called Because the Internet, and it hit number seven on the Billboard 200 chart. And as a screenwriter, he tried to make a short film to help him promote the record. It features a nice little spin cycle contribution from Chance the Rapper. Yeah. And it also features Danielle Fischel from Boy Meets World. <laughs> Topanga's in it. Interesting. Yeah, I know. And that was just a prelude to the album. He also put out a 72-page script for something that's meant to work in tandem with the record. So it's a very involved multimedia project. It actually would become Glover's first gold-certified album. He put out another mixtape, Stone Mountain, but it's S-T-N-M-T-N. It's inspired oh. by his hometown. He called it a concept mixtape that continued a story that he'd set up with his first two records. And then, in September 2016, we get to the point at which we will be hanging out today. Childish Gambino hosted this big event in Joshua Tree, California, that he called the Pharaohs Experience, where he debuted some songs from his upcoming third LP, Awaken My Love, which would come out in early December. Awaken My Love is an interesting record. It's kind of unlike anything we've talked about so far, which I like to think we can say about every episode we do, but this one really does kind of carve out its own niche. Except for all the ones that you compare to other ones we've done. Well, they compare. <laughs> the whole point is to compare them, but they're not they're not the same. In this case, it's an R&B funk 
psychedelic soul kind of album. And it's a different style for Donald Glover too, as he's kind of singing instead of rapping most of the time. It got some pretty positive reviews when it came out and debuted at number five on the Billboard 200, selling 101,000 album equivalent units in its first week. I mean, compare that to his debut when he sold maybe half of that, and that's a big success. It was also streamed 41 and a half million times the same week, and it's Glover's best charting album to date. In 2018, it was nominated for five Grammys, and the song Redbone won Best Traditional R&B Performance. The record was also included on at least four different year-end best albums list, and it's been certified platinum. So that's what we're talking about today. But also, Donald Glover's been plenty busy since that point, too. He decided in 2018 to retire the nickname Childish Gambino after one more EP and the massive single This Is America, which, by the way, was the first rap song ever to win the Record of the Year Grammy. I don't know if you watched the music video for that when it was big. Yes. But it really made the rounds. And he's also done plenty more writing, acting, and other film work, playing Lando Calrissian in the Disney Star Wars spinoff Solo, uh, voicing adult Simba in the remade Lion King, mm-hmm. and putting out his own films like Guava Island. Ironically, two things he killed the role of, you know, like he not like I, I, that came off like it was a bad thing. Killed in a good way. Yeah, he, he killed it on in the role. You know, he did a great job. But yet the movie's got a lot of hate from the fans. Yeah, at least we can rest assured knowing that was not his fault in any capacity. Yeah, no, he was. He did a really good job. I haven't seen the remade Lion King. Really? But he was great in Solo. Yeah. On March 15th, 2020, he actually put out a surprise album, which was exclusively streamed on his Donald Glover Presents website for 12 hours until it was taken down and then released a week later as 3.15.20. And in current days, he's working on more seasons of Atlanta, a few other different series, and a Disney Plus Star Wars series that centers on Lando. He also claims to be in the process of writing his own movie trilogy, so he's a busy guy. And that busyness shows he's been nominated for 161 music and film awards. As far as like film goes, he's won two Golden Globes for his work on Atlanta. And on a dozen Grammy nominations, he's won five. Four for This Is America, which include Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Rap or Sung Performance, and Best R&B Song. And then he won a Best Traditional R&B Performance Grammy for Redbone. He's got two Emmys, and he's still earning nominations to date. He's also been nominated for the Screen Actors Guild Awards, Producers Guild Awards, and his work on 30 Rock in Atlanta has earned him five Writers Guild Awards. A lot of guilds out here going after Donald Glover. (laughs) He's got two American Music Association nominations, a BET Award, two BET Hip Hop Awards, two Billboard Music Award nominations, a Comedy Award for Community, four iHeart Radio Music Award nominations, three MTV Video Music Awards, and many more. And to reiterate, he's 39 years old. He's had a whirlwind of a career. And there was like so much information to sift through to like distill down into notes into a podcast blip about him. There was a ton. So hats off to you, Donald Glover. Keep up the good work. You know who else should keep up the good work? Who? I don't think he's got any awards yet, but the mixtaper. He does good work at Factor Spin, I'll be honest. Don't say that because he's probably giving himself all sorts of awards. He probably has, and I'll be honest, I don't want to know about him. So if that's a bit that's in the works right now, uh... Uh Uh-oh. Listen, you do it to yourself. You make a claim, and he runs with it. I know. Who knows what beast you've unlocked? I think we'll find out the hard way. Let's get him on out here. Yes, let's. Hey, it's me. Who? Guess who. Oh, guess who. Um... Come on. I don't have any guesses. We've done this 79 times now. You should know who it is. Uh... (laughs) I should. 
I should, but it slipped my mind. Is it Donald Glover? No, it's Childish Gambino, actually. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Gambino. <laughs> yes, here, I can, um, you know, one of my superpowers is mixing my voice to sound like anybody. So I definitely could make that happen if I wanted to, but I'm choosing not Wait, to. Wait, Childish Gambino has a superpower where he can mix his voice to sound like anybody? Oh, 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 oh no, sorry, this is the mixtape. <laughs> oh, shoot, what? You tricked me. I tricked you, I'm a dastard, ah! Oh, wow, well, hi, mixtaper. You got my hopes up. <laughs> Anyway, so this week I only came up with three facts or spins. Oh, no. But, we, you know, we got the classic four. We have to have the classic four. In the past, I've made up some on the spot that have fooled you and you hated yourself for it. We're going to play a fun little new sub game during this round of fact or spin. Sub game? Yeah, yeah a B-plot game. One of these facts is just going to be made up on the spot. So, you know, one of them's going to, oh. there's at least one spin and it'll be made up on the spot. <laughs> so I hate it. This is so much pressure. Yep. <laughs> so don't fall for that one. Oh no. This is a burden on me because now I know one of these is just absolute garbage. <laughs> I like the concept, but I hate that I have to do this. You can play along audience. See if you can tell which lie just exists now, I guess. So let's jump on into it, shall we? I guess I don't have a choice. You know, we're going to try to ramp up as best we can on this one. He inspired the creation of a new Spider-Man. Oh, I could have sworn I put something about that in my notes. Did I skip it or did you delete it? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you deleted it, you dastard. I did. I stole part of your notes because I wanted to bring it up here. But I'm going to expand upon what you had. So you still not. this isn't one you're going to know. Right. So let's begin here. <laughs> I stole. In 2017. No, 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 no. I, I, I give the information in this game show. Thank you very much. Whatever. <laughs> this is stolen information. <laughs> Some information that a lot of people probably already know. In 2017, in the Spider-Man Homecoming film, he had a cameo appearance playing Aaron Davis, which is the uncle yes. of Miles Morales, who is the Spider-Man in the Ultimate Spider-Man series. Mm -hmm. This is in part due to his voice acting credits of that and the fact that there was this huge kind of um, fan campaign for him to have been cast as Spider-Man back in the Amazing Spider-Man films instead of Andrew Garfield. Yep. That's all readily known true information. It is. It is. I know that's true because I already looked it up and put it in the notes and it was maliciously removed. <laughs> the information you must determine is... So, you know, the Andrew Garfield movie came out in like 2012 or whatever and casting happened back in like 2009 or 10 or something like that, right? Yeah, a while back. Yeah, Miles Morales was created in 2011 after this fan campaign is that could that be true that is what you are to figure out <laughs> oh, i know as a spider-man he's existed for quite a while but i've been a spider-man fan since my childhood mm -hmm. and i don't recall any mention of him prior to the 20 teens yeah his first appearance was in 2011 i believe hmm now, of course, Miles Morales is all over the place. Into the Spider-Verse was an incredible movie. Yep, huge. I really love that. The Spider-Man PlayStation games. Yes. He's in those. I haven't played the sequel yet, but I just earlier today played the original for a while. So how does Donald Glover in 
inspire the creation of Miles Morales. Yes. So the creator... Stan Lee. No. The other creator. The creator of Miles Morales was actually... He was originally created by writers Brian Michael Bendis and artist Sarah Pacelli. And they got their influence for, you know, the idea of a... African-American Spider-Man from uh, a few months before the November 2008 election of Barack Obama as president of the United States. Okay, so that doesn't sound like Donald Glover inspired it. <laughs> so uh, hang on, we're getting there. Um, So they kind of had this idea back in 2008 of coming up with a Peter Parker replacement that would help inspire other minorities, children in a superhero style role of Spider-Man, like Spider-Man did for so many kids, you know, you know, the whole idea of Stanley like created Spider-Man to be like a relatable superhero, right? To the younger generation. Yeah. And they wanted that. And Stan Lee wanted that. He was all on board with it for some of the other minority races out there. And they got the idea for his appearance from actor Donald Glover's appearance in Spider-Man Pajamas and Anthropology 101, the second season premiere of Community. No way. That is what I'm telling you. <laughs> oh. Because, <laughs> you know, that Community reference was a reference to the unsuccessful online campaign to get him cast in the 2012 film. Yeah. And then they saw that and was like, this is how Miles Morales should look. And so his original appearance in the, like, 2011 comics were based off of Pajama Donald Glover, or so I claim. Oh, you got me up against the wall here. First of all, I don't, I'm going to rule out right away that this is the fact you made up on the spot, although you did steal my stuff from it. Hmm, maybe you did make this up on the spot. <laughs> you have a lot of pre existing knowledge about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel in general. I think I'm going to say this is a spin. A spin. Is it the spin I made up on the spot or just a normal spin I came prepared with? I think this is a spin. How how on the spot are we talking? <laughs> uh, I started working on the idea the moment we hit record. So while you're doing oh. all your spiel about them and everything, I've been working on it. Okay. Well, I'm going to lock in that this is not the spin you made up on the spot since you edited my notes an hour ago. Oh, so. cheater. <laughs> so you didn't make it up on the spot. However, I do still think it's a spin. Well, you think wrong. No, this is a true no. fact. <laughs> no, I thought Miles had been around a little longer than that. I thought maybe they just nope. didn't take any inspiration from Donald Glover. There were a lot of places where this could have gone wrong. Yeah, and the place it ended up going wrong was when you locked in your answer. That's the worst place. <laughs> yeah. Bendis actually said of Glover's portrayal in Community, he said, he looked fantastic. I saw him in the costume and thought, I would like to read that book, so I'm glad I'm writing that book. And that's what he decided to do. Well, perfect. And now he gets to cameo as his uncle. Yeah. And I think, didn't he actually voice a, a version of Miles Morales himself? I believe so. That's pretty cool. And that's another reason I kind of thought you were faking it, because he voiced the character. I don't know. Anyway, wow, I got burned on that. He probably voiced the character because he inspired the character. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. No shutout for you this week. No, that's true. So let's go ahead and ramp things up a little bit with, uh, he tried to film a movie on the moon. <laughs> that's your second in a, in a series of ramps? That's where we're going. Yep. He tried to film a movie on the moon. That's a big claim. Yep. What movie? The Martian. The Martian? Yes. Okay, but doesn't that movie take place on Mars? Uh, I don't know. The movie never got made. Oh, 
Well, there is a movie called The Martian, though. Oh, is there? Yeah, I think so. About somebody who's on Mars. Oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah, I, I do know about this movie. The Martian, 2015. Matt Damon's in it. Yeah. If you're going to try and film the moon and pass it off as Mars, it's going to be all the wrong color. Mars is red. Yeah, no, I agree. The idea was that there would be a scene that took place on the moon that they wanted to film. As, he, that Donald Glover, I shouldn't say they, Donald Glover wanted to film as realistically as possible. Okay, so he's, what, planning to load up a, a rocket? What's the, what's the scene that's projected for the moon? Are there people in it? Also, is he trying to use the actual moon or just like a set that looks like the moon? If you say he's trying to go realistic, that makes me think you... Uh, that's where I thought you would start, was being like, all right, where's the catch here? No, the moon building in Iowa somewhere. No, like, like the moon, the moon, up in, like, I can look up and see it. This is the real moon. He petitioned NASA. He wrote a letter to NASA asking for their help to make this happen. No way. Okay, so what's the scene he's trying to shoot? In his movie script idea i don't think it ever got made certainly not on the moon it didn't <laughs> yeah right in it the moon is like a launch pad in space already right it's like its own little launching zone so that they don't have to launch off of earth they can launch already from in space okay wise and so there's like a whole base like space station base on the moon isn't that a big expense oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm sure it would have been if it even had a chance of happening at all <laughs> yeah, that seems unnecessary. Yeah. This would have been for NASA's Lunar Atmosphere and Dust Environment Explorer mission. And they just wanted to stick people and film equipment up there for a bit? Yeah. Well, you know, it was a, kind of an up and, and back sort of mission. And so he just wanted to send somebody up, get some quick footage, and come back down, kind of tag on. <laughs> yeah. And so he writes to NASA, how does NASA respond to politely tell him, not on your life? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know their exact response, just that they said no. You just talked about how in an interview the, that they said no, and that even if they had said yes, it probably wouldn't have happened anyways due to budgetary constraints, but he's a dreamer. He sure is. And thought there was no harm in asking. Now, when was this? 2015. And who interviewed him? It's you asking very detailed questions. You almost never do that. Well, I know one of these is a spin you're making up on the spot. Uh, oh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, no, this was in his interview with Now Magazine. When did he give the interview? February 25th, 2015. Okay, and you say he got turned down to shoot the rocket to the moon in 2015? Yeah. In January. Yeah. The launch was scheduled for later that year, but he petitioned them in January, I guess. Sometime between February 25th and January 1st. Hmm. What, you said that in a weird backwards order. Um, the mission was on uh, September 10th, 2015, and he was telling this interview in February. Okay. So why didn't this movie get made? Obviously, the budget's freed up now that we're not headed to the moon. Yeah. I don't know. I have no information on the movie itself. Mm, I'm suspicious of this one. I think this is the spin you made up on the spot. You think this is the spin I made up on the spot? Yep. I think this is not true in any way. <laughs> if it is, what a fact. But I just don't... I don't know. This is a spin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is not the spin i made up on the spot <laughs> oh no <laughs> well that's a great spin wow yes i had a lot of tabs going from where i googled different things in preparation <laughs> i think you got a little too ambitious with this one let me give you some notes yeah okay give me some notes you were already behind the eight ball when you said try to film a movie on the moon i feel like few rational people would attempt such a thing yeah 
But he's freaking Childish Gambino, Donald Glover. He's not necessarily the most rational person. It's a great idea, though. Donald Glover, if you're listening, I have ideas. How cool would that be? Imagine being the first, like, movie filmed on the moon. Should we? <gasps> Let's do a podcast on the moon. Podcast on the moon. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, we'll put a pin in that for the future. And in the meantime, <laughs> hit me with, oh, no. Oh, no. You know what I've just realized? What? One of these last two is the spin you made up on the spot. Sure is. I don't know what the other one is. I'm a little worried, but let's go. He got kidnapped by pirates. This is a (laughs) heck of a round of factor spin. Um, He's a wild guy. (laughs) Wild information. He is. He got kidnapped by pirates. Yes. I mean, in my head, I go to like Pirates of the Caribbean, like Jack Sparrow and stuff. It's probably not like that. What's the situation? Where where in the world did this happen? Florida. Oh, okay. Maybe Caribbean pirates. <laughs> and what's he doing? Is he out in the water somewhere hanging out on a boat? Uh, Yeah. Just like the end of Community. <laughs> You're not giving me much information here. He's boating off the coast of Florida. Pirates show up and board his boat take him i mean what yeah what happens a whole cruise ship a sorry (laughs) for a minute my brain just kind of did a little flat line and i thought you were talking about an entire cruise ship full of pirates i pictured him (laughs) on like this little speed boat you know but all of a sudden this cruise ship of pirates rolls up so you're, you're the other way around he was on a cruise ship yeah other way around he was on a cruise ship that was taken hostage by pirates yep correct Ew, what? How often does that happen? Uh, every day. Every day? Pretty much every day. I don't know. Do they do them every day? Yeah. I would assume probably pretty regularly, at least during the, the vacation season. Do you think there are a lot of cruise ship pirates out there? I don't know. It's probably not every day. It's probably like every week. It's probably like a weekly thing. Weird. Okay, so cruise ship pirates board the cruise ship. Uh-huh. And kidnap him? Yeah, in the whole in the whole cruise ship. Kidnap the whole cruise ship. Yep. So are you just saying they took control of the ship and sailed it somewhere else? No, they brought them onto their ship. How big is their ship? <laughs> Pretty big. What? There's a there's a detail I purposely haven't gave you because you know you haven't asked for it, and after last round I'm gonna make you ask for everything. <laughs> is this in a movie? It's not in a movie. This is real life. This is real life, but that doesn't mean it's real. Did he dream this? <laughs> Did not dream it, but he did pay for it. He paid to have an entire cruise ship kidnapped by pirates. He paid for himself. I'm sure all the other cruise members paid their own way. Oh, so this is like an experience. Yes, this is Captain Mimo's pirate cruise. What? So if it's an experience, then maybe they were straight up like off the Black Pearl. Like, yo, ho, <laughs> like pirate pirates. Yeah, they. you go out on a normal boat and then a reproduction pirate ship fully fitted with life-saving equipment and a professional sound system called the pirate's ransom shows up and the swashbucklers within <laughs> the swashbucklers within <laughs> that's what i'm reading you from their website that's so funny <laughs> they like get within cannon range and they fake fire cannon shots at you and then take you hostage and you do the rest of the cruise on their boat amongst pirates okay and so when i said how often does this cruise ship pirating happen you said every day yeah every week it's not like cruise ships are getting ransacked (laughs) it's because this tourist attraction runs oh my gosh yeah oh it says their first cruise back will be saturday january 7th 2023 at 10 a.m which happens to be the day we're recording so that's right now (laughs) have fun out there mateys yes um wow how much does a ticket for this thing cost Ooh, good idea reservations let's look 
Do you do you want the daytime cruise, the champagne cruise? I think the champagne cruise just includes champagne in the price. It's just like pirate kidnapping, but a little bit of bubbly. Yeah, it looks like it's just a two-hour cruise, so it is every day probably. Probably multiple times a day. Yeah, maybe. But an adult ticket is forty dollars. Or if you want the champagne cruise, it's four thirty or four thirty. Four dollars and thirty cents. It's forty-three. Oh, you probably just only get a glass of champagne. The reason I said four thirty is because the cruise is that cruise starts at four thirty p.m more later so i was like reading below <laughs> this is so weird would you like the parking recommendations no i'm good <laughs> so why why did he do this uh it was a vacation him and his family went on when he was a child and he just loved it so much it probably would be pretty cool i'll be honest yep well i think this is a spin oh okay going with a spin did i make this one up on the spot well well i think this is a fact oh wow go with a fact <laughs> i think i'm gonna go with fact this is ridiculous and i guess I, you didn't really tie it to donald glover a lot or even say much about how he felt well you didn't really ask to be fair i know <laughs> tell me more ask me more or stick to your guns or change your mind again or do whatever you want really and how old was he when he did this uh this would have been when he was 17 oh yeah i'm sticking to my i'm sticking to my guns the swashbucklers within are feeling good and they're telling me this is a fact they tell you wrong this is a spin oh man and not only is this a spin (laughs) this is the spin i made up on the spot darn i kind of figured that may be the case because you did just tell me a lot from their website yep but i wasn't sure you actually pegged it right away with your little throwaway line about the Indic community. This is what inspired it because he I goes. I thought it would be in season six of Community. Like they're watching a news broadcast. At the bottom of the screen, the little scrolling text talks about how a Lavar Burton and his non-famous companion were captured by pirates at sea. Unbelievable. And so I took that and said, let's just say he really was captured by pirates, but he's not going to believe that. So let's look up pirate cruises, and that's what I found. I even actually made up the fact about Captain Nemo's, how they you go out on a normal boat and get kidnapped. They just take you out on a pirate boat and you sail around for two oh, hours. That makes a lot more sense <laughs> as like an attraction thing. Yeah. But cool though. Yeah. That sucks. I'm a little mad about that. Uh, you always are when you fall for the one I made up on the spot. Well, listen, you hit me with two just absurd ones back to back. <laughs> we're in space. We're out at sea. So my last one... He once pepper sprayed himself for a nickel. That's not a lot of money to get pepper sprayed. Nope. How old was he? 12. That's a lot older than I thought you'd say. (laughs) Well, I mean, to be on one hand, on one hand, it's old enough to have access to pepper spray more easily. On the other hand, it's a little too old to care about a nickel. I think it sounds to me maybe like he was trying to show off. Yeah, no, he absolutely was. Just took the nickel as like a, you know, a token. So what's the situation? Is he in middle school with a bunch of pepper spray slinging kids? I don't know. So growing up, his mother was like a foster care worker. So he would constantly had like foster brothers and sisters and stuff living in the house um, on and off. And this one's particular foster kid was older than him. He was like 15, 16. They were hanging out. He wanted to be cool hanging out with this older 15, 16 year old. And he happened upon a can of pepper spray. And the kid offered him a nickel that he had in his pocket to pepper spray himself. And he's like, pepper spray. He's like, oh, this ain't no big deal. Pepper spray. And so he did it and found out it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. So that was his first time being pepper sprayed. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like he didn't love it. No. The way he tells the story is actually hilarious. 
It's in his Netflix comedy special. Oh, okay. Nice. So I think this one is a fact. One with fact. You know, you're asking a lot of questions about this one. I guess you don't need to because the made up one on the spot's gone. That's true. <laughs> I do think this one's a fact. And I think if I fired up that Netflix special right now, I'd hear a little bit more about it. Ah. But it seems reasonable. Look, we've all been 12. All of our 12 and up listeners out there have at least been 12. And so. I've never been 12. Did you say just you skipped 12? <laughs> My parents held me back, made me 11 twice. And then skipped you ahead to 13? Yeah. <laughs> Man, mixtaper, I'm so sorry. That's That's got to be hard to cope with. I mean, imagine going right from 11 to a teenager. I mean, man, rough. Is that why you got so excited on the Baker's Dozen episode? <laughs> you never got your real dozen. <laughs> yep, add that to the canon. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous. Like, before we dig into that too deep... I do think this is true. I think this is a fact. Well, in that case, it's another mixtaper win this week because this is a spin. Oh, no. Oh, really? Yep. I went fact and triple spin on you this week. Wow. That's sad. Ow. Obviously, you didn't do this. You were never 12. How'd you get the inspiration for this? Made it up. Just, oh, just cold. Okay. Not on the spot, but I did make it up. Sat down. I was like, I don't know. We haven't done anything with pepper spray yet. Well, we did. <laughs> I mean, Kings of Leon's dad kind of did. He did kind of pepper spray himself. Homemade pepper spray. <laughs> yeah. But nothing since then. Yeah. Well, that's disappointing. Two weeks in a row, I've missed the first, third, and fourth facts you've told. Wow. That sucks. For you. It's great for me. <laughs> I got to do better. 2023, the year of the mixtaper. When in every episode, all 52 weeks long. Well, that's all the time we've got for me. Okay. No more games. No more sub games. <laughs> and I don't want to play the mind game. I just want to I just want to play Factor Spin. <laughs> gotta keep it fresh every once in a while. You're getting too good at the normal game. I gotta, every once in a while, mix it up. Keep you on your toes. You're getting complacent. Mm, yeah, I don't know about complacency, but season six is really shaping up well for you. Yeah. I said, I'm going on a 52-week streak. I'm going to win every episode this year, 2023, winning every episode. Yeah, time will tell. (laughs) Except for the Willie Nelson one where we tied. All right, I'm not losing any episodes. How about that? Ties don't count against me. Okay, that's fair. I'll allow it. There will not be a single loss. Uh Uh-oh. Now I've got to... I put that pressure on myself just now. (laughs) Yeah, more pressure. Yeah, you said no more games, and I just added a new one. (laughs) That's next week me's problem. Anyway, until next week... Yeah. All right. Well, that was a little disappointing. That was something. <laughs> I, I mean, he yeah. warned you that one of them was going to be a made-up one on the spot, and you still didn't get You fell for it. I did, but at least I made a guess at it. Yeah, it would have been one thing if you got the spin right, but then thought it wasn't the one made up on the spot. He didn't even get the spin right. It's true. That was a little sad. I was kind of blitzed by the pirates thing. <laughs> I had never heard of such a pirate cruise. He threw you off balance with the moon and then hit you with pirates. <laughs> it was a good one-two punch. Anyway, album art? Album art. Let's talk about the instantly recognizable album cover of Awaken My Love. The album cover is a photo taken by Ibra Ake, and it features the model Giannina Otero wearing a really ornate headdress. Very cool. That was designed by Laura Wass, who's been designing jewelry since she was 13. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It is. It's, a, it's an awesome. It's a striking album cover. It's striking. It's very blue. It is. I, I like it. I think that's the perfect color for this album. It's it's not like an aggressive blue. It's kind of a... 
Kind of a laid back level of blue. Yeah. It's a neon baby blue sort of blue. Yeah. I can't picture this album with any other color. It's like the slight blue hue that sometimes the night sky gets with all the stars. Well, and that's, yeah, the little glittery sparkles behind her also kind of remind me of stars. Mm -hmm. I just look up sometimes and go, what if we filmed a movie up there? (laughs) Also, if you are a savvy Donald Glover fan, you may have seen this album cover teased as an Easter egg in an episode of Atlanta. It's in the background of one of the shots in an episode. Oh, he pulled a Pixar. Yes, he did. Did a little cameo. A premio. Let's talk about the album. 11 tracks to dig into this week, and ooh, there are some doozies. The album begins with a track called Me and Your Mama. Sure does. Yeah, this was the first song Donald Glover put out for this album, and like I mentioned, he took a really pretty long hiatus and then hosted this really explosive and involved comeback experience in the middle of the desert where he played through a lot of the album tracks, but this was the one that kicked it all off. When it first came out, Me and Your Mama premiered on Zane Lowe's radio show, and he played it five times in a row because he liked it that much. Man. I know. When he was asked about it, Lowe said, this song is more than music. This is a whole other movement for this guy. Which I guess brings me to my first question for you. What did you expect going into this album? I mean, you said you'd listen to This Is America. You know Donald Glover is an actor, and you kind of knew that he was a rapper, I'm sure. Uh Uh-huh. What are your thoughts hitting play on Awaken My Love and hearing me and your mama? I was not surprised that this song was this way. Uh Uh-huh. I was surprised that the whole album was kind of this way. Yeah, the the R&B soul thing. He leaned heavier into that and less into the rap on this one. Yeah. Which usually, when because again, I did know him more from his rap stuff, so I was like, okay, yeah, you know, rap dips into the R&B kind of world for songs, and this is a good opener to kind of ease you into all of that, but yeah. I wasn't expecting the whole album to kind of take this tone. No, I wasn't either, and I loved it. I was very pleasantly surprised with the entire record in certain ways i didn't hate it yeah didn't hate it people actually think that the title to this song is a reference to outcast's song miss jackson the songs also share lines about puppy love and other similar themes so it might be a nod to outcast Mm. i'm waiting on you to ask me the question that i assume you're gonna eventually ask me what's that question did i find the beginning repetitive oh did you find the beginning repetitive no i was gonna say i didn't it happens in such a way that it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, it's more like it just blends in with the background. It's part of the music and the ambiance. Yeah, it's part of the music. But I did really like the shift. You know, because I saw how long the track was. And I was like, man, if this is the whole song. We're in for a wild ride. It's floaty and dreamy. and Yeah, you know, around that like 2.30 mark somewhere in there, it shifts and picks up its intensity, which I really liked. Yeah, it becomes a lot less amorphous and really like leans heavy into the bass. And starts like whipping you around <laughs> with some of these melodies. Yeah. I like it a lot. Me too. It's so well produced too. That's one thing I've noticed about this song and the album in general. It's really clean. Yeah, it does a good job. And his voice honestly surprised me. At the time I listened to this, I wasn't even really very familiar with his acting. And so, I don't know. There's just something about the the grit he's got behind it. Oh yeah, was this, did you start listening to this pre-Community Days? Or is Community what got you to listen to this? No, I listened to this before Community. Wow. Yeah, this was on my Albums of the Month playlist in February of 2022. Oh, okay. So I've had it on repeat for quite a while. And Me and Your Mama is always just a great track to kick everything off. Top notch. It really is. Mm-hmm. What do you think of track two? Track two, have some love. I have some love for track two. How much? Some. Just some? Yeah. 
I like it. I do. It starts in right away. You know, where me and your mama took a little bit of time to indulge in the airiness and build into the drop. Yeah. Have Some Love kicks in where it's going to stay most of the time right away. But those drums, those drums kick in right away. Which is a great drum beat. Yep. It's one of the most notable things about the song. And it almost focuses less, I think, on Donald Glover and more on this chorus of voices that sings well the chorus with him. Yeah, it does. It's kind of a a group feeling song, which I love. People think that this song is a nod to Funkadelic, a funk rock band of which George Clinton was a member. It's one of Donald Glover's favorite bands who he listened to with his father when he was young. Oh. Mm -hmm. Just like the title implies, the song's about unity and about having love for other people because we're kind of all in this together, you know, until some of us get to the moon. We're just all in the same boat (laughs) here on Earth. And I mean, they lay it out pretty explicitly. Have a word for your brother. Have some time for one another. Really love one another. This is another one where I wondered whether it felt repetitive to you. No, it really didn't. Because again, I feel like the another brother back and forth that it does multiple times in the chorus didn't really bother me. Because again, I think stylistically, it's there It's there for a reason, right? Yeah. And just the beat to it. It's a whole thing. And then the verses, at least verse one, there's a specific term I'm looking for other than repetitive that's like a literary device when you like start each line or or end each line in like the same way like a motif yeah but that's also not the word i'm looking for there's another word so like when he's like they come and get you they think you're creepy they come to yada 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 i don't know it felt right rather than repetitive right yeah no i agree it's definitely more of a storytelling device yeah i'm glad it doesn't get under your skin at least not on this one it didn't but again maybe it had to do the i was wrapped up in the instrumentals a lot well also i'm betting after rem last week almost anything would be a palate cleanser (laughs) To some degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. But I love Have Some Love. It's a great second track. Very strong. But you know who we don't have love for? The Boogeyman. Yeah, the Boogeyman. Nobody loves the Boogeyman. No. Is that the name of a song? That should be. It should be. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look. Add it to Connor's Hippin' and Hoppin' album. <laughs> Imagine a Halloween movie. There's something funny you could do there with that. <laughs> I'm thinking more like Valentine's movie. Like a rom-com. Oh, yeah, like a rom-com with the Boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it could be Halloween themed, though. Kind of like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Like a crossover hit. I'm imagining Valentine's Day rom-com where the Boogeyman's out here like saving this this person from bad relationships right by scaring them in their dreams because and then they like end up falling in love with the boogeyman or something i don't know that's like problematic is it (laughs) i'm just saying but there's something there maybe we'll figure it out (laughs) so you've all heard of the boogeyman you know the monster that scares kids that's hiding under the bed in the closet whatever the wwe wrestler oh oh oh. no not the wwe wrestler but i guess some of you have heard of that one too eats worms crawls around on the floor it's really cool that doesn't sound really cool But anyway, this version changes the traditional spelling into boogie with an I-E. You know, like funky, disco, get down with it, boogie, wonderland, boogie. It's a nice little change. And one of the things I kind of think about with this song is that in modern times, we've kind of shifted boogeyman from being, you know, the literal, like, made-up monster that scares kids into being any kind of, like, spoof fear. Something people are really afraid of that's no big deal. And I think it probably does just stem from how upset, like, children get because their imaginations are too active. Yeah, it's absolutely what it is. Like, this unrealistic... Unfounded. Yeah, this unfounded, unrealistic fear of, you know, what goes bump in the dark sort of vibe that all kids end up having. Yeah. That, as you get older, you realize how ridiculous it was. And so then, you know, you're like, oh, 
about no any other ridiculous unfounded fears like the boogeyman yeah and this song is a pretty socially conscious one donald glover talks about the relationship between the black community and the police in a way that's really kind of convicting but easy to understand and listen to musically it's a clever metaphor, especially through the use of the IE boogie and just the general connotations behind boogeyman. And in the chorus, everyone's kind of petitioning the boogeyman for help. You gotta help us, can you? He says, yes, I can. Like, there's definitely some kind of deliverance or a light at the end of the tunnel. Glover pretty much spells it out in no uncertain terms. But only if you love me. But only if you love me. Well, you know, <laughs> I just like the song. It's one of my favorites from the album. Once again, the chorus, like, not the chorus chorus of lyrics, but the group of vocalists singing along on some of the parts and accompanying him on boogeyman is just top notch i agree yeah and after boogeyman i mean we really are in kind of a halloween type theme here maybe i should have saved this for another mixtober but we move from boogeyman into zombies i like zombies a lot according to spotify slightly more popular than boogeyman yeah that's because nobody loves the boogeyman no everybody's afraid of him but people love zombies i mean look at the walking dead yeah ended so according to the mythos zombies feed off brains everyone knows that if you don't you're at risk for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> In Donald Glover's little twist here, they're here to feed off of his success and suck the life out of his career for their own personal gain. It's like these leeches that come around him just to try and leverage themselves. Should have called the song Leeches. Leeches does seem more appropriate, but zombies is cooler. Yeah. I think one of the gimmicks behind it, as far as like the speaker of the song goes, is he's meant to be telling this cautionary tale to his son like it's a bedtime story. Man, what a bad bedtime story. <laughs> Gonna give your kids nightmares. It's a little bit <laughs> a little bit upsetting. Drive him right to the boogeyman. Yeah. Well, the boogeyman can help him. Yeah. But you'll hear as you listen to this song how he puts on different voices and gets really dramatic with it like you would when you're telling a bedtime story to a little kid. It's a it's a nice cautionary tale. You know, they come to take your life, not to kill you, but to step into the roles that you play and the things you do, to literally take your own place in the life that you're living. And they're breathing down your spine. They're all up in your business. He says they can smell your money and they want your soul. Pretty intense for your kid. Uh, you're right. I'll be honest. There was one thing on this song that bothered me. Ooh, you were bothered. Do tell. The airiness he'd put on the end of his lines you didn't like that eh, it works until you do it on every single line when it's fair all i see is zombies <laughs> feeding all around us <laughs> just at the end of every line it was like calm down <laughs> every single line had it it felt like and so by the midpoint of the song all i was doing was being like yep there's another one and another one and another one, one thing i do love uh, about it well i mean you're talking about things that you didn't like but one thing that i liked is the chorus doing something really cool we switch points of view from the scared threatened gambino in verse one to the zombies to the horde of zombies in verse two because he's not the zombies aren't scared they're not breathing like maniacs so it's it goes away on course yeah it does because zombies don't breathe because they're dead right but i love their lines too we're coming out to get you we're so glad we met you we're eating you for profit there is no way to stop it and what's wild to me is that he doesn't stop it as the song comes to a close he asks the zombies do you feel alive like is the stuff that you're stealing from me enough to satisfy what you're actually after is this 
a fulfilling thing that you're doing. Yeah. But he doesn't ever find a way to stop it. It leaves open-ended like that. I love the instrumental at the end as well. It's one of the best instrumental stretches on the album. One of. It's so good and like kind of jazzy. It's uninhibited. I do want to say, because you kind of moved on from it very quickly. The breathing thing was just one thing that kind of annoyed me about the song. I still quite enjoyed the song. Sure. Well, and that's sometimes when you do enjoy something more, you find... The the little things. You know, there wasn't anything major to annoy me. And so something minor found found its way in. Yeah, exactly. And I I do... I kind of feel like the breathing was intentionally put there like that. It's not just an oversight. No, it's not an oversight. It's just I just because it was intentional doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> I disagree with your creative decisions. Yeah, <laughs> I get that they, it was done on purpose, but I don't like it. Fair enough. You know what I do like? Yeah. Riot. I think Riot has one of the best opening grooves on the album. It was a bit of a shock with how Zombie ended to jump right into this. That's true. Like the me and your mama to have some love transition didn't feel as big of a shock as this one did. No, it's more subtle. Yeah. But Riot takes a lot of its inspiration from funk and R&B of the late 60s. Really late 60s. Like Sly and the Family Stone. Other different pre-disco groups. I love that side of it it's kind of an undertone throughout the rest of this album but riot is the one place where we peel all the other layers back and just kind of let it shine through it's nice and the grit of this track is unparalleled just some of the the vocal intensity the growls and the screams and the shouts i wasn't as big a fan about as this one you didn't like it as much no it was actually probably my least favorite of the first five oh okay Understandable. Looking at the place on Spotify, Spotify agrees with me. Okay, congratulations. I'm the people's champion. I just like to make sure I'm still in touch with... With what the people want? Yeah. Whatever. I do think this one can kind of be overwhelming if you're not braced for it, given what we've just been through with the last four. Yeah, I also did only get one listen, so... (laughs) That's true, too. You couldn't brace for it. The song kind of talks about how everyone just wants a better life, but the world is without a captain, so we're kind of just stuck in this riot state. And I love, I mean, one of the most clever bits of double-meaning wordplay on the album at the very end. Get down. Everyone get down, baby, right? Are we bringing back the boogie from Boogeyman and getting down, like, grooving? Or are we ducking and covering in this riot state? Who's to say? I'm to say it's probably the latter, because... We're not bringing back the boogeyman. We don't love him. No, it's both. That's the thing about it is it could be both or either, depending on the context that you're putting the song in. But I'm really curious to get your thoughts on the album's next track. By far its biggest hit, Redbone. I liked Redbone. You did. Good. Me too. It was actually the first song I was exposed to from this album. Oh, really? It is the most popular, so. Oh, yeah. Well, a friend mentioned it and I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that. Even though I knew of it and I knew it was really popular, but they pulled it up and played it for me and i was like oh similar to my experience with the entire album i went that was not what i was expecting at all it caught me off guard but yeah i like it a lot it's grown on me since then and especially in the context of the album the instrumentals just do so much heavy lifting on this album (laughs) they really do i know and it's cool i think it's a a very well-structured album musically it never gets boring or repetitive but everything has the same energy to it which is a tough thing to do almost everything has the same energy to it I'm looking at the track list and we'll get there in a bit. (laughs) But chord progressions, melody, general atmosphere, and funk, really good. Redbone hit number 12 on the Billboard's Hot 100. Like we mentioned, it was one that won a Grammy in 2018 for Best Traditional R&B Performance. And 
It was featured in Jordan Peele's film Get Out. Yes, it was. It's a good one. The term Redbone is a slang term for a light-skinned black woman, and the song goes into detail and explores infidelity and relationships where trust has been undermined. And you mentioned the instruments on this album and this song specifically. One of the things that makes, I mean, the entire album, but this song especially very unique, is that it was produced almost entirely with live instruments. Oh, nice. Yeah, including a glockenspiel and a string orchestra emulated by the Mellotron. Nice. Yeah, and while it doesn't sample anything directly, Redbone is another track that was really heavily inspired by George Clinton and also by another group called Bootsy's Rubber Band. Interesting. Yeah. Lyrically, we kind of dive inside this relationship right away, right? Daylight, I wake up feeling like you won't play right. He's waking up to the day and already has this revelation that something's wrong at the same time. So he voices his frustrations. He says she makes it hard for a boy like that to go on. And then in the pre-chorus setup, he he tells her, if you want it, you can have it, but stay woke. They're going to find you. They'll get you. Like, if you're not aware of what's going on and you get caught sleeping, if you get caught with your eyes closed, you're going to end up suffering the same fate that he himself has suffered by being asleep and kind of, uh, I guess, enabling himself to be cheated on. You know, he turned a blind eye to it. He didn't think it was possible. And look what happened to him. So this is kind of his cautionary tale to his ex. Stay woke because what goes around comes around. And this is going to happen to you. I like it. I like it too. And especially with the repeating of stay woke, I love the daylight and waking up metaphor. It's like he was asleep and now he's waking up. I don't know. Stay woke. What a time. I think it's great. And up next on the record is track seven, California. When I say not every song necessarily fits the same vibe, this is the sole exception. It's a bit of a dip on the record for me, I'll be honest, and I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. I definitely still enjoy it, but as far as its place in this like collection of songs goes, I'm really not so sure it belongs from a musical standpoint. Now, does it fit as an Escape to California kind of groove? Nice little bop to it? Yeah, sure. And does it thematically, lyrically work well with the batch of five songs that comes after it? Absolutely. So in those separate ways, I mean, it matches the tone of what the song is and the tone of the song fits with the themes of the rest of the album. But there's just something about California that makes it stick out like a sore thumb. Interesting, because yeah, you were like, it sticks out and then proceeded to talk about all the ways it doesn't stick out. (laughs) I know, well... I feel like this sticks out less than Riot did. Really? Mm, Riot is close to the edge, but I would put California maybe over the edge. Yeah, I think I'd switch that. I think I'd say that California's the edge and Riot goes over. Because again, Riot is like the big cult, the like big shock that you have to brace for. That's true. Whereas this felt stylistically in line. You're right. In that regard, Riot is a much more get-in-your-face song, while California maintains the chill and laid-back vibes from the rest of the album. Yeah. I guess there's different ways that they pop out. I Yeah, okay. Dealer's choice on that one. <laughs> but this song is inspired by a more tropical Caribbean style of music. Oh. Maybe he learned it when he was being kidnapped by pirates. I was about to make the same joke. <laughs> You know, the song talks about this girl who wants to move to a certain state. Any guesses which one? Uh, South Dakota? South Dakota. Close. I can see why you would think that because of how much Donald Glover loves Mount Rushmore. But no, (laughs) it's uh, actually California. The girl wants to move to California. Oh, oh. Yeah. I think that would have been made more clear in the song. You'd think. You know, like been the name of it or something. (laughs) Maybe. Or unless maybe we should dig into the lyrics. She wants to move to California. Hmm. 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 Yeah, there was an opportunity there. So it's a little subtle. They snuck it in. But anyway, so... According to Gambino's own opinions of the state, according to this song, 
He might prefer to live in South Dakota. He's pretty much saying, you definitely do not want to go there. You must have lost your mind. He says, a lot of times, you must have lost your mind. You don't want to go to California. Yeah. It's not all it's cracked up to be. He says that's how they get you every time. They lure you in with the superstar life, the Los Angeles glitz and glam, and then they pull the rug out from under you, and you just land hard. I don't know. It's an interesting song for sure, and I do enjoy it, but it does feel a little bit like a hard pivot for the record, one that maybe I'm never ready for. (laughs) But California kind of opens the rest of the album up to this loose concept that will kind of carry on, I think. It's one possible interpretation. The next track, Terrified, I think is a pretty big redeeming case for California to stay on the album because it kind of feels like it could or even should maybe build on the story of the previous track. He's terrified of losing this girl who's about to up and leave him in the dust, but this song kind of is him expressing what if she's his last good shot at something. Mm. So he can say that he doesn't want her to move to California for her own good all he wants, but this track kind of implies there's a little bit of selfish motive behind that, where it's good for him if she stays. Kind of a here's why you should stay. Also, I think he does a pretty little clever, and I would consider it probably intentional callback to zombies. He says, people want you underground. Do you misbehave? Haunt you to your grave? He even says, I'm going to eat you alive. And to me, that echoes zombies. It's not like a direct one-for-one parallel, but definitely the undertones are there. Another possible facet or potential interpretation of Terrified kind of comes from people speculating that this song is an attempt to tackle a little bit of Donald Glover's imposter syndrome and the fear that he felt about putting out new music after the proverbial dumpster fire that was his Because the Internet record. It didn't exactly do very well, kind of drew the ire of critics and fans alike. Interesting. Yeah, I think in a certain sense he was afraid to put out new music again and open himself up to further criticism or judgment that kind of was set to the same level of standards as his previous record. Obviously, that didn't happen. Awaken My Love kind of blew because the internet out of the water. But the fear is still there, and that's very understandable. And at the end of Terrified, the song shifts voices really suddenly, and all of a sudden it's a kid pleading and saying, you can't run from me, you can't hide from me. And it's almost like no matter where she goes, California or otherwise, no matter how much the career takes off, she's kind of saddled with this family. She can't run from the fact that she's pregnant with a baby boy. Then maybe she's pregnant. Pregnant, had the baby boy, and yeah, it's totally inescapable. This situation that's going to dictate so much of the rest of her life. And that's a daunting thing and a thing maybe you should rightly be terrified of. It's a scary change. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's a pretty strong lead up right into track nine, Baby Boy. It's another song where there are multiple interpretations of how it could be understood. Once again, one theory posits that it's Donald talking to his own young son, talking once again about all his fears and hopes and feelings about this new chapter of his life. But in the context of the album, though, and again, as the next piece of the California Terrified Baby Boy trilogy, I kind of also think we should understand it to be the next chapter of the mama's story as she has this new baby to deal with. So it's just a matter of perspective. His singing on Baby Boy was really deeply inspired by Curtis Mayfield, a soul singer and another artist that he really admires. Interesting. I think Baby Boy is another one that just makes it into my bottom third. In your bottom third, really? It's yeah. more ballady than a lot of the rest of the record. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. It's just it's kind of forgettable. Forgettable? Compare Okay, off of one listen compared to the rest of the album. I was going to say It makes sense to me because the rest of the album is so explosive and, like, rich in so many ways. But not even explosive. Because, like, me and your mama has this kind of slower bit to it, but I don't know. This one just didn't stick with me.
with me as well. That, I get it. I get it. And again, I just think it's because it's not as rich as all the other songs on the album. you kind of been bombarded by a lot of just funk and soul and interesting chords that you don't always hear, deep thematic things. And this one is a simpler song with a less intense vocal over a more normal chord progression. And It's been nothing but double chocolate cake all album. And then they hit you with some regular chocolate cake and you're just like, yeah, where's... I'm used to double at this point. Your palate, yeah, is not cleansed for this. Where, where, where's the extra chocolate? It's not here. You don't get it. It feels like it's missing something. Yeah. At the end of the song, he sneaks in this little line that I think broadens the scope not only of the song, but of the whole album. He says, there was a time before you, and there will be a time after you. And then the vocals say, don't take my pride and joy. He says, though these bodies are not our own, walk tall, little one, walk tall. Man, I think that line specifically opens up the album in a really unique way because it kind of puts things in a scope that's broader than one lifetime this kind of turns the album into this big understanding of our place in history and the world like just in general all of it it is an intense line and i think that's everything you kind of wish for your baby boy you know as a father you're talking to your little one and you just kind of say look walk tall do the best you can I like it. That takes us into the album's first and only exclusively instrumental track, The Night Me and Your Mama Met. Obviously, there are some similarities between the title of this song and the opening track, Me and Your Mama, but I think now that we know a little bit more about the state of this relationship and the birth of the son and the fears that he's holding on to as he enters this phase of his life, I feel like this song title hits a lot heavier. I don't know. The whole idea of me and your mama really lands different at this point in the album for me than it did at the beginning. It's not puppy love anymore, you know? It's become serious and... I agree. But we're looking back on the night that the puppy love began. Yes, we are. And that's cleverly illustrated through this instrumental. Sounds just like a puppy in love. Well, (laughs) so the movements of the song, the different instrumental sections, are meant to illustrate all the events that went down on the night that he met this woman. And more specifically, the song is crafted to parallel the emotions and actions of sex. So it's really, it's a subtle, clever way to tell a story. So this is the only instrumental on the album. You're the instrumental guy. I sure am. What do you think? I like it. I'm actually a little sad with how much I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. What what does that mean? I can't say. Oh. I'm contractually not allowed to say. (laughs) I know why you can't say. (laughs) For the record, I guess we'll spill the beans now. And that may shed some light on the situation for the audience listening at home. You were supposed to only take two top threes from Murmur because you went over on Willie Nelson. Boy, would I have been okay with that. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, both of us forgot. And so... You're going to have to, yeah, limit yourself to just three picks from Awaken My Love. No honorable mention. But that may be a reason that you are sad that you like this song, if I'm speculating. Maybe. No further comment. No further comment. Well, just, you know, don't let it get you down, okay? Stand tall. Ah. Stand tall like the last track on the album. Track 11. Much like the mixtaper, this album never sees a full dozen. Sad. It is. The whole concept of standing tall really reminds me of that last line in Baby Boy, Walk Tall, Little One. It's a message of perseverance, you know, about staying strong in hard times and being true to yourself as you chase whatever dreams you choose to pursue. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Also, I think Stand Tall features some of his finest visually descriptive lyric writing on the album as well. I mean, it's just like a lot of figurative language. He paints a good picture. When the sun's rising over the street so barren, since the evening colors flash before my eyes, I feel like a child so young and new in 92. I listened to whatever my father said. For the record, he was nine in 1992. And the chorus, keep standing tall, smile when you can, all that. 
is actual advice that he got from his own father back in the day. So it's a very personal song to him, which I think is the, the best way you can close out an album like this with a really meaningful, personal touch. And in the second verse, something I really love is the way that he describes how the world has changed or how his perspective on the world has changed, at least, since he's been a kid. When his father gave him this advice, everything was different. And now he says, these broken souls are all I see. Fists have fallen to our side. We may cry alone. I feel we know where all of this is headed. But he says, kind of in spite of this more dismal outlook, that should make us stand up even taller, which is a great message to end the album on. It's a great recap of where he's been and where he's going, filtered through the lens of this mindset he's had to keep going throughout everything and help him stay the course. It's kind of his lesson to us too, in addition to being a lesson to his son. It's a very thorough journey of an album, I think. It tries to cover a lot of ground and succeeds in covering a lot of ground in these 11 tracks. There's kind of stories within stories and morals within morals. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. But you know what else is a lot? Your love for this album? Let's figure it out in final spin. Maybe. 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 I'll go first, as usual. I am pretty thoroughly impressed with this album. I'm going to give music a 90. We've already talked about all the different flavors and textures of these songs, how well they kind of mesh together, and just how immersive this album really is. It's almost another record, kind of like Kid A, that's an experience cover to cover. It's a little different in that you can separate it out track by track and listen to it piecemeal. I don't think Kid A really is necessarily the same, but definitely this is an album that's meant to be an album and meant to be consumed in one chunk. The music kind of reflects that. Lyrically, like I just said a minute ago, tackles a lot of themes and does it well, effectively. Great lyric writing, awesome storytelling. I'm giving lyrics an 88. Instruments of production, oh, Like I said, a lot of this album was recorded with live instruments, not a lot of sampling going on, not a lot of, you know, production tricks necessarily, and it's really clean. It's an easy album to listen to and get lost in, given instruments of production a 94, and the overall vibe, hard to beat, really, really, it's engaging, it's fun when it wants to be, and it's serious when it needs to be, given it a 94. That puts its overall score at a 91.6. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a pretty solid score. And on my spreadsheet, that currently ranks it at number 56. 56. Top 100, but not top 50. Nope, that is correct. I'm thoroughly impressed with this album, like I said. The R&B influence, the funk undertones, all of it, it's great. Like I said, the only kind of smirch on its vibe is California, but even that is redeemed by the way it kicks off that back half of the record's mini saga with this woman and her family and the fear of losing everything or just the fear of starting a new chapter. So it's got redeeming qualities, and honestly, I just have very few complaints. I think this album is pretty phenomenal, and I think it deserves much more recognition than it probably has. And with that, the floor is yours. For me... I quite enjoyed this, actually, more than I thought I was going to. That's kind of what I thought you would think, not to be redundant. You know, I expected a bit more traditional rap album, which I was I was here for, you know. I wasn't against liking from the get-go. No. But was pleasantly surprised by the more R&B tone this took on. Mm-hmm. Or my top three, no comparable mention, in album order. Me and your mama. Oh, right off the bat. Okay. Zombie. Mm, okay. We've skipped a couple. And Redbone. Nothing from the back half. No, I really, so that's what I was getting ready to get into next, but I didn't want to s- spoil my top three by saying this. I feel like really, with the exception of Redbone, from Riot down, I just wasn't as enthused with the album. Riot turned you off then from everything. Just those first four, I really, really enjoyed, and I really, really enjoyed Redbone. And then I did like the instrumental, but otherwise, I don't know. 
I just the rest of it, uh, it was it just didn't do it for me. That whole saga didn't land. Yeah, I mean, maybe wow. it's just because it was too rich for one listen. Oh, maybe <laughs> triple chocolate cake back there. Yeah, you know, you can only have so much. Right. Well, according to your beloved Spotify plays, the back half of the album is actually more popular than the first half. Yeah, I know. I know it is. Just on average. Uh huh. You're, the people's champion is slipping a little bit. <laughs> the people's champion, yeah. Washed up already, and he's only just declared himself. Now, I feel like I've declared myself before. Maybe not formally, but from the get-go, we've said that I'm meant to represent the standard listener. <laughs> That's true. My playlist pick. What's yours? Oh, I see. <laughs> ah. For me, it comes down to me and your mama probably is the answer for me. Okay. Then I have to take Redbone. It's a billion stream song. And the one that kicked this album off for you in terms of listening to it. It is. And if I'm being honest, it probably is my favorite, but it kind of has the bit of the overplayed effect where I know it's good inherently and I like it just as much, but I almost want to, part of me wants to take something less known. But it's our favorite songs playlist, not the not overplayed playlist. That's a separate playlist. I know. Well, let me just put a caveat, I guess. And if I wasn't going to take Redbone, I'd probably take Boogeyman. Okay. So now you know, that's that'll be our little secret. <laughs> Shh. Can I let you in on a little secret? Yeah, please. Since you get, since you let me in on one, audience, you don't know any of this. This is just James and I's little secrets to each other. Just this is between us. Yeah, my little secret is that the night me and your mama met was my honorable mention that I'm not allowed to mention to the audience. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's my little secret. <laughs> that's a good one. I who would have seen that coming? You can audience, you can listen now. You're gonna. Oh yeah, you can listen, part. audience. We're back. We're back. Thank you for being patient. <laughs> As for my score. This one's getting. Last week I predicted it 100% right. This week I don't even want to. I don't even want to predict. Yeah, you don't even want to predict. Well, here, audience, let me tell you a secret. Connor, you're not allowed to listen to this. Oh, okay, I won't listen. I, if I had to predict for Connor, I'd maybe put it at the bottom of the nines or top of the eights, but I do think it might slip below. We are. And might end up lower in the eights. We'll see. Anyway, Connor, you can come back now. All right. And so as to not let James down, uh, this will be a secret for the audience. James, you're not allowed to listen. Secret secrets are no fun. So so you're not listening, right? You didn't answer, so that's how I know he's not listening. <laughs> that was a test. Audience, I'm giving this one a seven. I really expected him to react to that. I thought he was tricking me. I thought he wasn't going to really contain himself. It's going to go almost top of the seven, though. It's going to go right below Olivia Rodrigo's sour. Uh, you can come back now, James. Hello, I'm back. Hi. I already told them the score, but I haven't given them a unit yet, so you can be around for that part. Okay. I made my predictions, and what I'll say is, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you wanted to dip down to a seven and put it below Olivia Rodrigo, but... <laughs> But you want to be surprised? I did think it might be good enough to earn an eight. Just that's where I'm at in my guesses. And I wouldn't be surprised if your prediction was bottom of the nines or top of the eights. Well, I feel like we just gifted the Magi to each other. <laughs> neither of us is going to get something useful out of this. Uh, my unit this week is going to be Lonely Unlovable Boogeyman out of 10. <laughs> lonely Unlovable Boogeyman. Yeah. Well, there you have it. That's our thoughts on Awaken My Love. I'm excited for next week's episode. Hey, I'm excited for, like I mentioned, I guess all of the 80s. 
We're doing the Grady's in the, the 80s. The Grady's. Oh, that's a, the spin it Grady's. <laughs> it's just this stretch of 10 episodes that I think are going to be really exciting. That's all. And the next two and a half months of episodes, I'm stoked for. Well, apparently I should be as well. I only know some of what we're doing in advance. I mean, I only know some of them, too. We've got the Grammy special episode in here, too. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Mm-hmm. We discovered John Batiste through that last year. It's it's our first chance to have a repeat, depending on who wins, right? Yeah, I guess we could kind of end up with a repeat. In terms of artists, not albums. Yeah. The artist we might end up repeating if he wins the Grammy is Kendrick Lamar. Which will have been poor planning on James's part if that happens. So blame him if we repeat one before episode 100, like we promised. If Kendrick Lamar wins the album of the year Grammy, all I can say is, damn. <laughs> and with that, you can find us. If you enjoyed this wacky, insane episode of Spin It. I know I did. <laughs> yeah, you can listen to more of them. We've got 79 other wacky, insane episodes, plus some bonus content, all available on our website, www.spinitpod.com or on YouTube. We got the socials at SpinitPod on Twitter, at SpinitPod Official on Instagram. There's a Facebook out there, but who uses that? Yeah. Rate, subscribe, review, five star us. Leave us comments on YouTube, five star us. Do all the things. Make up make up your own units for what you want to rate this episode like the, like I do. Do whatever you want, really. But there's one thing that everybody should keep doing. That's right. Everybody should keep spinning. Keep spinning. What's the deal, dude? I let you have the Spider-Man fact, and I let you have the spec script thing. And you just took the outro, too. And then I stepped all over. I, th- I knew you were going to go there, too. I When I started doing it, I was like, oh, man, I'm stepping on this territory. <laughs> But it's good. Every once in a while, I feel like it's uh, it's good for you to step in and do it. Because you always do it. I gave so generously, and you just took. You gave an inch, I took a mile. You did. No more inches for you. <laughs>